Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Genesis 37, verses 3 and 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and they could not speak peaceably unto him. For a few minutes today, I want to preach on this subject. Even God has his favorites. Even God has his favorites. Before you're seated today, there's one thing I I wanted to mention. We are so glad to have the Smoot family. They uh, are now going to be coming to our church here. Originally, the last place they came from was Kentucky. But they're with us today, if you just wave over there. Welcome the Smoot family, make them feel welcome to our congregation. Amen. Even God has his favorites, you may be seated. Let me explain to you why I believe that Jacob loved Joseph more than the others. Actually, Jacob was married to two women. He thought he was marrying Rachel, but Laban had tricked him into marrying Leah. The first 10 sons that Joseph had were with Leah. But the 11th son was from Rachel, whom he loved. And that became his favorite son. That and because he was the son of his old age. He favored him and so he clothed Joseph differently than all of the other brethren. Can I get an amen? He favored Joseph for his dreams rather than rebuke him for his dreams. His own family hated him and could not speak peaceably to him because he was the favorite son. I want you to know that God favors Israel and God favors the church. And there are gonna be some people that don't like Israel and there are gonna be some people that don't like the church. But you wanna be on God's favorite list. You wanna be what God wants you to be. Because he said, I will bless them that bless me and I will curse them that curse me. So you better be on the side of God's favorites because God looks out for what he favors. God looks out for what he favors. Now let's go to verse uh, five here of Genesis 37. Joseph dreamed a dream. Now they already hate him for the way he dresses, for the fact that he's favored. And he dreams a dream and he tells it to his brethren and they hate him yet the more. He dreamed another dream. He told it to his brethren. Behold, I've dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And they hated him 
all the more. His parents observed, but his brothers hated him. The church has had a revelation that the world hasn't had. The church has a dream that the world doesn't have. Don't expect that they're gonna be excited about the fact that you say, Jesus is about to come. The rapture's about to take place. I'm going to heaven. I'm gonna be with Jesus for eternity. Aren't you excited for me? And they're not. And they hate you. All the more for your dreams and for your revelations. They may even come against you. They may give you a bad time. And you know what? You might even get hurt in the house of God. It can happen. Let me read to you from Proverbs 18 and 8. The words of a terror bearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. People are going to talk about you. People are going to say unkind things. It's going to cause you to be uneasy. It could even cause you to feel sick at times. And then we also have Zechariah 13 and 6. One will say unto him, where are these wounds that are in your hands? Speaking of Jesus and the fact that he was nailed to a cross, they're going to one day ask him, why are there holes in your hands? And he will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. It was his own brethren that had him crucified. It happened in his own house. I want you to know you need to be prepared. Sometimes it'll be intentional and sometimes it won't be intentional. But even in the church of the living God, people can hurt you. They can hurt you. They can talk bad about you. They can make your life miserable. They can try and ruin your reputation. They can try and form groups against you. It can happen. But you need to remember this one thing. We are serving the living God. That's what we're doing here. We are serving the living God. People will fail. The pastor will fail. Very humbling last week to admit my failures. Everybody fails. Everybody makes mistakes. But when you realize you've done wrong, you've got to try and get it right. Can, can I get an amen? You've got to humble yourself and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I've made bad decisions. At the time I made the decision, I thought it was the right decision. Now I realize it was the wrong decision. I'm sorry. That's all you can do. What more can you give? You have nothing else to give. But it was his own brothers, Joseph's own flesh and blood, that when they saw him coming one day on an assignment from his father, that they stripped him of the coat that they hated to look at that was different from theirs. They stripped him of the coat, tore it, and threw him in a pit where there was no water. And they left him there. And while he was in that hole, they spoke evil of him and said, let's see what comes of his dreams if we kill him. 
Why, we wouldn't even have to lay a hand on him. We could just leave him in the pit. And he'd die right there. He heard all of this conversation going on. Some of the other brothers said, no, let's, let's not wait for him to die. Let's drag him out of the pit and let's just kill him and be done with it. And we'll take this coat and we'll dip it in blood and say an animal or got him. But let's get rid of him. Here, we finally have our opportunity to be rid of the one that we hate. Let's kill him. But Judah, Judah knew that he'd be responsible. So he said, no, we can't do that. And then all of a sudden, some Ishmaelites came by. A band of Ishmaelites came by. Judah came up, well, let's sell him. You know, if we sell him as a slave, we'll have a little money and we'll be rid of him. They'll take him to Egypt and we'll never see him again and we won't have had to have killed him. So let's sell him as a slave. And so that's what they did. 20 pieces of silver. Versus the 30. Listen, I see the comparisons here. I don't know if you do, but I see the comparisons between Jesus and Joseph. I see being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. I I see being sold for 20 pieces of silver. I see brethren that hate him, and I see others that love him. But they sell him, and off he goes to Egypt. Now be Joseph for a minute. How do you feel now about your dreams? How do you feel about the dreams that you had that that all of your brethren are gonna bow down to you one day? And even your mother and your father will bow down to you one day. How do you feel about those dreams now? Where is the favoritism now? Your father couldn't protect you from your brothers, could he? First you were in a pit, now you're sold as a slave. You're going to a country where you have nothing. You have no wealth. You, have, you don't even have a change of clothes. You're gonna go to a place where you will not be able to communicate because you don't speak Egyptian. You are at the mercy of a wicked people that do not believe in God. How's God gonna be able to protect you from that? He had to think about that. And then he had to think about this. What did I do to deserve what is happening to me? What did I do wrong? I didn't speak evil of my brothers. I didn't do anything to hurt them. It wasn't my fault that dad gave me the coat and that he favored me. That's not on me. Why is this happening to me? It should happen to the wicked. Why does it happen to the righteous? Am I preaching today to somebody? Have you ever had those thoughts? I mean, God, come on. I'm trying to do the right thing here. And it seems like I get the trouble and they get the ease. It seems like I struggle and then they're blessed. Why is that? Where's the favoritism in that? I don't feel favored. I feel forsaken. Anybody preaching with me today? So he goes to Egypt. 
And he, here he is on an auction block. And a guy named Potiphar buys him. You're my slave. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You're going to learn the language. Then you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. And Joseph, here's what I like about Joseph. This guy has an attitude. I mean, I am so impressed with this guy. I don't hear any whining from this guy. I don't hear any complaining. I said things that I would think, but I can't find that in the scripture. I can't find Joseph saying, why me? And woe is me. I can't find any of that. Can't find it. His attitude is, well, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be a good slave. And God says, aha, I can bless that. And pretty soon, the favorite from Jacob's house now becomes the favorite in Potiphar's house. And the favor of Potiphar comes on Joseph, and pretty soon, Joseph is running the whole house. He's managing all of the properties and the business and the finances of Potiphar. There isn't anything that Potiphar has to look over his shoulder and say, Joseph, did you do that right? No, he does it right, and he does it with excellence, and he does it with an attitude, and he gains the favor of Potiphar. We can learn from that. If I'm going to be an employee, I'm going to be a good employee. I'm going to serve in excellence. Can I get an amen? I'm going to serve in excellence, and I'm going to serve with a good attitude. You know what that's going to do? That's going to allow God to bring favor on you toward the place that you work at. It's going to bless the company. It's going to allow promotion in your life because of your attitude and because of the favor of God even in difficult situations. Boy, I don't know who this guy is, but he's preaching today. I'm telling you what what God wants to bless. God wants to bless you. And you don't understand what's happening in your life. But... Just when he feels like, hey, maybe this is going to work out all right. Potiphar's wife has a lust problem and lusts after him and and accuses him of rape. And goes and tells Potiphar, well, you know, while you were gone, this man tried to rape me and I screamed and I grabbed his garment. Here it is. Here's the proof. And Potiphar throws him in prison. Again, another opportunity for Joseph to get an attitude. What did I do to deserve this? I didn't do this. I didn't yield to what this woman asked me to do. I restrained myself. And this is what I get. I've heard some people say sometimes, I've even heard it from Christians and I pray I never hear it again in my life. No good deed goes unpunished. Don't ever say that. Good deeds will be rewarded. Maybe not in your time, but they will be rewarded. Keep doing good deeds. Keep doing the right thing, even if it's not a convenient thing. Even if it's a hard thing. He did the right thing. 
But Potiphar, he threw him in prison. And he was in prison for a long time. Again, could have had an attitude, but what does he do? He rises up again. Well, I'm an accused rapist. I'm a convict. Just when I thought things couldn't get worse, they did. No, that wasn't his attitude. Well, okay. This is my new assignment. I'm going to prison. Guess what? I'm going to be a model prisoner. I'm going to do what I'm told to do. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to whine. I'm only going to have to be told once. And you know what happens? He gains the favor of the jailer. And pretty soon the jailer says, wow, what a model prisoner. Hey, Joseph, how'd you like to be my assistant? Here's the keys. You run the show. I'm going to sit back and eat hamburgers and milkshakes. Because he gained the favor of the jailer with his attitude instead of feeling sorry for himself. And he continued to do the right thing when it would have been easier to have done the wrong thing. I'm preaching to Rick Kiley today. Don't return evil for evil. Do not. If people talk bad about you, don't talk bad about them. If people hurt you, don't hurt them. I know it's the, it's the flesh that wants to, but you gotta back up and keep, this is it folks, keep the favor of God on your life. Yes. Keep the favor of God on your life because God has favorites. So he serves in the prison. I realize I'm not using my notes and I've wasted your, all your typing, but then one day, a butler and a baker in jail. He's been there almost 20 years. The butler says, I've had a dream and I can't figure out what, it, what the interpretation is. And Joseph says, well, I have a little bit of experience in dreams. Why don't you tell me what the dream was? So the butler tells him the dream and, and Joseph says, well, he said, you know what? Here's the interpretation. You're gonna be restored to Pharaoh. You're gonna go back and you're gonna be his butler again. Well, the baker likes it. So he says, well, I had a dream too. He said, okay, well, tell me your dream. And the baker tells him the dream and he says, uh-oh, bad news for you, baker. You're gonna get hung. Well, I didn't wanna hear that. You said good things about the butler, but why didn't you say good things about me? I said, I don't make the dreams. I just go with them or I interpret them if, as God allows me. And sure enough, the butler's getting ready to be released and Joseph says, now remember me. Remember when you're restored to Pharaoh. Tell him I'm in here. Put in a word for me. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem, Joseph. I won't forget. And the baker, he got hung. So he didn't have anything to say. <laughs> then one day, the Pharaoh had two dreams. One about corn one about cows. And it involved seven both times. And he was disturbed because he could not interpret the dream. So he called all of the 
wise counsel that he could find in his kingdom in and said, I've had a dream and somebody better interpret it. And nobody could. But then the butler remembered, aha, I know a man that interpreted my dream. He said, Pharaoh, there's a man in prison named Joseph. He said I was gonna be restored to you and here I am. He's the man you need to get. So Pharaoh has him brought out. He tells him his dream and Joseph gives the interpretation. Now watch the humility of Joseph. He said the dream you had involved seven ears of corn that were plenty and then seven that were dried up and ate the seven good ears. You had seven fat cows and then you had seven skinny cows that ate the fat cows. Here's the interpretation. There will be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. If I were you, mighty Pharaoh, I would take these next seven years and save everything I could so that we don't starve to death during the seven years of famine. That's the interpretation of the dream. And he gains the favor of Pharaoh. The most wicked, most powerful ruler in the world. Even, listen to the scripture, even the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. There isn't, there isn't anybody that with God is an untouchable. You say, well, I've got this boss or I've got this problem or I've got this judge and, and you know, nobody can speak to them. They won't pay attention to me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If God can speak to Pharaoh and move on him to tell Joseph to be that food administrator, to be that VP, that vice president of all of Egypt, he can move in your problem too. The favor of God is meant to be on you. Don't do anything to take the favor of God off of your life. And so Pharaoh says, all right, Joseph, you're the new VP. You are the one that administrates all of the food. You store it and you say who gets it. And he does it. And sure enough, seven years of plenty come and then the famine comes. And the Israelites, approximately 70 in number only, are starving to death. They've run out of food. So Jacob hears that there's food in Egypt, so he begins to send his sons to get food. Now I'm gonna cut the, short, the story a little short. And the bottom line is this. They are totally dependent on Joseph for survival. Let me share this verse of scripture with you. Oh boy. Sister Hickey, I have messed this message up, but let me see if I can find it here. I want to find the verse of scripture here. All right, Genesis, Genesis 41, 57, please. Genesis 41, 57. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because the famine was so sore in all lands. Did it not say all countries and all lands? Do you know 
that Joseph saved the world. According to this, he did. Because every country was starving. It was a worldwide famine. And the only people that had anything were the Egyptians because of Joseph and because of the favor of God that he had with Pharaoh. So if you aren't in favor with Joseph, you die. But Joseph wasn't that way. All the countries came and he administered the food. He saved them. And then his brothers come. This is uh, 45 and 4. And he's said them before, and now there's going to be this final confrontation between Joseph and his brothers. 45 and 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. I heard that and I was one of those boys, I'd be shaking in my boots. Payback! Oh, revenge is sweet. Come on now. If you were in Joseph's shoes, you'd at least think it. I would. But look at the character. This is why the favor's on this guy. I mean, he is so generous with mercy. Look at this. Verse five, be not grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Will you talk about letting somebody off the hook? Hey, don't worry about it. Hey, don't even feel bad about it. Are you kidding me? He knew that all things were working together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Even though it was written in the New Testament, he was living it in the Old Testament. He saw it. He saw it. I gotta go through all this garbage to get to this place so that God can use me to save people. Oh my goodness, will that preach? All this stuff, all these problems, all these trials, all these tribulations, all this, this cancer, this financial ruin, this difficulty in my marriage, this problem with raising kids. Why do I have to go through any of this, Lord? So that your marriage can be saved. So that your children can be saved. So that you will understand that it is my God that shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So that you'll know that you're not God and I am. That I'm the Savior and you're not. All I want from you is attitude. Trust me. In whatever state you're in, learn to be content. Is that what the scripture says? 
So he lets his brothers, he lets them off the hook. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you in a prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it is not you that sent me. Oh, preach, preach to me, Rick Kiley. It is not you that sent me hither, but it is God. Yes. Amen. He hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord over all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Wow. All this stuff that he went through. Now let me stop here. You're gonna get a chance to pay back the people that wronged you. It's gonna happen. Say, oh, I can't wait. That's exactly why you need to. I'm preaching to Rick Kiley. I get angry and I get hurt. But my wife and I have tried to develop a rule. We are, we are best friends. And this is what we say to each other. You can't react for 72 hours. Because within 72 hours, you're gonna go through hurt, you're gonna go through anger, and you're gonna say something that you'll wish you hadn't said. And chances are, you may even do something you'll wish you'd never done. A man that cannot control his own spirit is like a city without walls. Scripture, I'm giving you scripture. You cannot control what your brothers and the world does to you. But you can control how you react. Hold your peace. Don't give it, oh man, this is good preaching. I didn't even think of this till now. This is, hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battles. Don't give your peace away. I'm preaching to Rick Kiley. Don't give your peace away. When you get angry and you start attacking, there goes the peace. There goes the joy. And it's not worth it. So how, here's the last thought I want to share with you. So how do I forget I hurt. How do I, how do I get over that, Brother Kylie? Well, I think I got the answer. How many would like to hear the answer? Okay, last point. Let's go over to uh, to the introduction. of Joseph's sons to his father. This will be Genesis 48 and verse number five. Joseph brings his sons to Jacob. He said, here's my two sons. 
48 and 5. Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee in the city of Egypt, are mine as Reuben, Simeon, they shall be mine. This is, this is Jacob's response after he meets Ephraim and Manasseh. He says, oh, so these are your two boys? Well, now they're my boys. They're my grandsons, but they are also my sons now. Okay, I'm going to treat them just like the other sons. And verse 17 says, and Jacob is getting old, and so he decides he's going to pray the blessing on his children. So here stands Ephraim, and here stands Manasseh before Grandpa Jacob. And Jacob comes up to walks up, and he puts his hand on Manasseh's head. And here he's going to pray the blessing. And Joseph is upset. Okay, watch, watch what happens here. Joseph is upset by what Jacob is about to do. Joseph saw, verse 17, that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, and it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, this is the firstborn. Put your right hand upon his head, meaning Ephraim. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. I know what I'm doing. He also will be a, become a people and he also will be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. He did not pray for the oldest first, which they always did. He went to Manasseh instead. Here's why. Ephraim means forget. Manasseh means remember. The firstborn was Ephraim. I will forget all the toil of my father's house. That's why he named him Ephraim. You got to have a forgetter in your life. You got to be willing to release people. I remember the first martyr said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Stephen. He didn't want vengeance. We got to be willing to forget some things. But then he says, of Manasseh, I will remember. I'm going to remember how good God's been to me. I was in a pit, but I didn't starve. and I didn't die of thirst. I was a slave, but I ruled a house. I was in a prison, but I ruled the prison. I was in Egypt, and I administered the food. God took care of me no matter where I was and no matter what I was going through. He never forsook me. He was always there to help me. It was all part of his process so that he could bring his dream into fruition because God knows the end from the beginning and he knows exactly where you are in the process and how to get you to the conclusion. So how do I forget? Here it is, let's stand together. Here's how you forget. You remember how good God has been to you and yours. You focus on the goodness of God. 
in 2007, Rick Kiley was diagnosed with colon cancer. But God brought him through. How many times have you been sick and God has healed you? How many times have you thought, I don't have enough money to pay the bills and God has provided for you? How many times have you felt like your heart would break and God has ministered to you? Remember how good God has been to you and it will help you to forget how people have hurt you and misused you. Jesus, help me to remain a favorite in your eyes. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.